Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Uh, Yeah, let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for who you are. God, thank you so much for everyone here. God, it's it's, it's such an honor, wow, to be able to speak to your children today. And, and God, um, in all reality, we want you to speak. God, I want you to speak. And, and I want your spirit to speak this morning. So God, would you use, would you use me? And, and, and I thank you that you're, yeah, you are. You are going to speak. You are going to speak to our hearts. So I just pray, uh, yeah, that we'd be good soil, that we'd listen to you really well, and uh, we'd be transformed by your spirit this morning. Amen. Great. So uh, you might have heard that uh, the Unity series was over. We tricked you one more, one more time, probably. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about unity today. And I don't know if there's anything in your in your marriage maybe that you have to be aware of to protect the unity of your marriage for. But but with me and, and Valerie, it's it's a certain game we play. It's called called resistance. And the, the game is you get kind of a role, you're either a spy or a resistance, and if you're a spy, you're supposed to act calm and cool uh, to, to earn trust from the resistance so that uh, it appears like you're on their team. And if you're resistance, you're kind of peering through everyone's eyes trying to find out who the spies are uh, to eliminate them. And it's just a great game based off of lies and deception, great for your marriage. Um, <laughs> But, but when we play this game, there is uh, just uh, we, we are both very competitive people, and so we just get so competitive. And it's like we, when the game ends an hour later, it's like we, we almost wake up and we're like, what did I say to you? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean what I said when we played Resistance. And, um, and we, we are unified. We have a unified marriage. We just don't really play the game anymore. But if we ever are going to play the game, we're going to be aware. I'm going to be aware. Brenton? Winning is not more important than treating your wife well. You have to treat your wife well. You have to love your wife while you play this game. And so I, I'm aware, um, and maybe that's a, a bit of a joke, but, but uh, we need to be aware, and we need to be aware. Uh, the enemy does not like unity. The enemy is, a, is an enemy that wants to create uh, division and chaos, and we need to be aware of what threatens unity in our lives, in our churches, in our marriages, in our workplaces, and everywhere. And Paul says to the church in Corinth, we don't want to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. And so I'm, today I'm going to talk about uh, lies of the enemy that threaten unity in our relationships, churches, marriages, uh, every relationship that we have. And, and when I talk about the, the enemy's lies, sometimes we talk like the enemy is always speaking to us from the outside, like the enemy is whispering to me, and that does happen. I believe that he can implant thoughts but at the same time, some of, our, some of our mindsets can be based in a lie and, and based in untruth. And, and this is where we also have to take note that, that while the enemy wants to lie and, and get us to believe a lie, sometimes, sometimes our own thoughts sound like the enemy and, and because they're based in a lie. And so this morning, we, we, we need to be aware that the enemy wants to lie to us in these ways, but we also need to be aware maybe Maybe my mindset is actually based in untruth and I need to repent and I need to line up with God's truth and this is where my thoughts are going to be pleasing to him. So what are these schemes that we're going to talk about today? Uh, the first one is the enemy wants to, you, uh, wants to convince you that other people have bad intentions. In Genesis uh, 3 verse 1, 
It says, now the serpent was more crafty. And, and if you look up that word, it actually means smart. It means clever, cunning, and prudent. This, this is our enemy. The enemy is not, is, not, is not dumb. He knows where to attack, right? The, the serpent was more crafty, clever, cunning, and prudent than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the tree from the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, said the serpent to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And and so the, the enemy is trying to twist Eve's perception of God and Eve had an understanding of God that, wow, God is great. You know, God made this wonderful garden. He gave me Adam, wonderful. This is a wonderful place. But, but, but he did instruct me not to eat this fruit. For, and, and she probably trusted that it was for all her own good. And so the devil is actually getting her to, to interpret God from a different lens, saying, actually, God, he's holding out on you. He doesn't have the best intentions for you. He's trying to pull the blanket over you. He's using you. And if you do this, then you'll realize the truth. And so Eve began to, to question who, who God was. She had to have, or else she wouldn't have eaten the fruit. If she would have trusted God's word, if she would have trusted God who is who he says he was and he was telling the truth, she wouldn't have done that. And, and, and in the same way, the enemy wants to convince us, he wants us to put on these, these judgmental glasses in the relationships in our life to, to judge people. And, and, and when we do that, when we judge people, uh, thinking that people have bad intentions against us, all of a sudden it's going to create disunity in, in all of our relationships. And, and, it, and it happens all the time. I, I remember I was talking to someone who, who was saying, you know what, I, I don't like going to church and I asked him, oh, why? Why don't you like going to church? And he said, well, every time I come, people, people just judge me. And so I asked him, how, how do they judge you? Because I really, really just wanted to know. And he, and he said, well, they, so they ignore me, and some, some people are just staring at me, but I, it's, they're just judging me. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that we're not friendly. We should be more friendly. But, but I really don't think people are judging you. I really don't think people are, are looking at you and, and saying you, thinking you don't belong here, you should leave. I think people are just not friendly enough. People are too shy, and, and sometimes people stare, right? Mennonites have that uh, thing about them. And, and, and so, but, but, but here is this person convinced every time he walked into the church, everyone was judging him. And it caused him to put up these, these invisible walls uh, around the church, and it caused a disunity in his life. And again, this is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to, 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 to put on a judgmental lens, to put on a lens where other people have bad intentions. And as soon as we do that, every action is interpreted from that lens, Right? As soon as we put on those glasses, even, even if someone says hi, it's like, that wasn't a friendly hi. That wasn't like, that wasn't up an octave where they're actually happy to see me. It was just hi. You know, and, and this is where we start interpreting life and interpreting everything this person does and everything this person says through these glasses. And, and so what we don't want to do, what I don't want to do, is assume the intentions of people's heart based off of limited information. I don't want to do that. Have you done that before? I did that just the other day. I had limited information and I start building this whole story. You know, this whole story of all 
now it's all making sense, this and this and this and this, and I, I just build this huge story, and then I actually met with this person, and it was great that we got clarity, and I was just like, Brenton, you're, you're a fool. You, you fabricated this whole story. You started building walls, and none of it was, were, were real. It was all fabricated by me. And, and so in our lives, this is what we have to do. We have to stop and get clarity. Imagine if Eve did that. She went to God and said, God, is this true? God, is what the enemy said, is that, is that really true? Is that, is that, are those your intentions for me? And that would, have, that, that would have changed everything, right? And so what we want to do in our lives is never judge the intentions of the heart. We need to ask for clarity. And, and default to assuming the best until then, right? We're sometimes not good at that. Someone just the other day came up to me, and he was just frantic. He was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't say hi to you. And in Superstore, I was talking to someone else. I was, I was really busy that day. I'm so sorry, and there's nothing in between us. It's all good. I was like, yeah, I know that. You know, it's like, it's no problem. But, but it actually, it almost goes to tell you in, in our society, we're walking on thin ice. Because if we make one wrong move, someone judges us. And we're quick to do that. We are quick to judge. I can be quick to judge. And this is where, again, we have to default assuming the best. If it's a big, big enough deal, we need to ask for clarity to, to that person. Go to that person specifically, or we just have to get over it. If it's a little thing, sometimes it's just like, you know what? Get over it. I'm going to assume they're not judging me, and, and they're good, and that's going to make me more free and move on from there. And before we do any of this, we have to check our own heart. Amen? This is so, so important. So many times we want to look at other people's intentions and, and motives, and, and we forget to check where our heart is at. And, and that can be a hard thing to know. I don't know if you've ever been to the mall. No one goes there under 12 anymore or anything. Amazon. But if you go to the mall, they have these maps, and, and they have that little marker, you are here. I don't know about you, but the first time I saw that, I was so confused. I was just like, well, how do they know? Like, what? You start backing up. It's like, I think it's broken. It's not moving. Like, and then I figured out, I was like, you are dumb. <laughs> but, but we need that in our life. We need a you are here for ourselves because we think we're always in the right zone, right? We think we always are right and they're always wrong. And that's not always the case. That's definitely not always the case. And if, if problems and disunity are following us like a shadow, we are probably the problem. And so we need to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, where, where's my heart in all of this? Talk to other people who are going to tell you straight, where, where am I in this all? And they'll say, you're here. Read the Word of God. Let the Word of God read you. And, and it, it judges the attitudes and intentions of the heart, it says in Hebrews. And the Word of God will let you know, you're here, Brenton. You, you actually aren't in the right, you, you, need, you need to move. You need to go to a different wing in the small because, because you're at, your intentions aren't actually right. It doesn't matter where their heart's at. You're only in charge of, of your heart and your intentions. And this is where the Holy Spirit will help you do that. He's really good. He's really good at convicting you. He's really good at telling you you're here. And, and we have to check in with him. And so the reality is that we don't want to judge people's intentions, but at the same time, sometimes people do hurt us, right? We get hurt, and, and if you, you can get all the clarity you want, and it's going to hurt more because they meant to hurt you. Maybe they made a mistake, right? Maybe they just 
they sinned, or maybe they're just living in, in sin, and, and they, at the end of the day, they hurt you. People close to you can hurt you, and that hurts. There's no getting around that. That hurts. Being hurt, it hurts, right? And this is where the enemy wants to, to use that hurt, and, and he wants um, you to turn your hurts into bitterness. This is what he wants. He wants what evil was done to you to create more evil inside of you. And that just spreads evil and evil and evil and evil and it starts multiplying. In Hebrews 12 verse 5 it says, Watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to, grows up to trouble you corrupting many. And this is what bitterness does. It spreads like a sickness. And we spread it through gossip and, and, and slander and all these things. Bitterness is this, this sickness inside of us that grows and, and it doesn't stay just inside of us. It spreads. And this is where, if we're struggling with bitterness in our life too, we have to be careful that we don't gossip. We have to be careful. And in Proverbs 26, it says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers, as wood is to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of gossip are like choice, choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. And I don't know if you've ever, like... You, you've ever just struggled with bitterness in your heart. When I read this verse, I was like, ah, oh, that's why I've struggled for bitterness for that, for that time. That's why I was never really able to uproot the bitterness. I was praying and I was trying to get rid of it, but I was gossiping. And, and if we're gossiping, it's saying you're throwing jet fuel on your bitterness. You're throwing another log on the fire and, and, and it's not going to go away. It's going to grow inside of you. And this is where we have to be so careful that, that, that we talk and don't gossip. We get help in prayer, but we don't gossip. And I know that line can be a little thin, right? Where's the line of gossip? Where's the line of I'm just, you know, talking to a friend, getting help? And, and these are a few questions I want you to ask yourself before you open your mouth. Are, are you saying this with their best interest at heart, with the other person, the other person that you have beef with? Are, are you saying this with their best interest at heart or honestly trying to get there? Maybe your heart isn't quite there, Maybe you do want them to pay right now, but are you saying what you're saying to try to, to move to a place of, of having their best interest at heart? And, and are you saying this so you can genuinely, honestly get help in prayer for your own heart? Or are, are you saying this to smear them, slander them, and drag them under the bus, right? And this is where we don't want to give a prayer request in the form of gossip. Have you ever heard that before? It's like, I have this wrong with this person, I have this wrong, and this person, this, 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 pray for me, amen, I'm free. <laughs> and we just gossip, we really just gossip. And, and so we have to ask ourselves these questions. And, and if you're a bystander of gossip, if, if you're someone that's listening to gossip, that can be a, a tricky, you're, you're in a tricky place, but the Bible says, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip, liars pay close attention to slander. So we don't want to be a bystander with gossip. There are no bystanders. If we're sitting there and we're not saying what we need to say, we're not saying the truth in a delicate, loving way, we're, we're actually, we're, uh, it's not good. We don't want to be a bystander when it comes to gossip. So a good question, if you're hearing gossip, is to ask yourself, why are you telling me this? Why, why are you telling me this? Are, are, you, are you telling me because you really genuinely want help? Because it, it sounds like you're just trying to drag them under the bus. Reform your prayer request in the form of an actual prayer request, right? And so this is where, when we get hurt, 
We have to resist gossip. We have to watch out what we're feeding our heart because the words of slander and gossip are actually feeding this bitterness inside of us. We have to get help in prayer. So I'm not saying don't talk about it, right? Get, talk about it. And we can rant to God. That's the beautiful thing. If our heart's not right, he can, he can take that. And there are people in our life where, you know, your spouse and, and those that are wise and can tell you the truth, those are some safe people to bring these frustrations to. So we do need to, to resist gossip, but talk about it, get help in prayer, and, and watch our hearts. That bitterness doesn't grow inside. Bitterness is so destructive in, in, in our life because it goes against the gospel we're preaching, Right? It's so hard to be a Christian and be bitter because we're really saying God has forgiven all my sins. God is a God who didn't count my sins against me. He, he forgave me. I'm counted righteous in his sight. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And man is, God is not counting man's sins against them, but I am. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You're, you're, it's, you're preaching two different things when, when you have bitterness in your heart. And this is where we have to be forgiving people. And I love the, the story where Peter is like, yo, yo, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive? Is it like seven? And in, in his mind, he's probably shooting high, you know? He's, he started out at three. Ah, that's pretty good. I'm going to shoot for seven to sound real spiritual. And Jesus will probably knock it back down to five, you know? And Jesus says, no, seven times 70. And they're doing the mental math in their head. And the disciples that had watched VeggieTales know it's 490, you know? They didn't have to do the math. But that is a ridiculous amount of times. Again, this is the amount of times that God has forgiven us, me, 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 he's forgiven. So, so how, how can I, can I be a Christian, someone whose sins have been forgiven in the sight of God and hold the sins of other people against myself? It, it doesn't make sense. You know, Jonah... Uh, when he was doing ministry, he, he got mad at God because he was frustrated. If you read it in chapter 3, he's frustrated. He's like, God, I knew you were loving. I knew when you told me to go to Nineveh, I knew this would happen. I knew you'd forgive them. I knew you'd show mercy. I know you're slow to showing anger and rich in love and abounding in mercy. I knew this, God. And so he's mad at God. He actually asked God, God, I just want to die. And, and, and we're going to pick up the story here in chapter 4. Jonah had gone out, sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen, what happened to the city. So he's sitting there. He's like, I'm just going to sit here and watch it burn. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be better than the 1st of July. It's going to be, those people are terrible. They're not turning from God. This is going to be a good show, man. Grab the popcorn. And God says, or, or then it says, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Isn't that wild? God is still a, a God showing love to Jonah. He's meeting him where he's at. But then it says, But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed up the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. God was saying, move on, Jonah. Move, you have to move on. You have to move on. You, you can't camp here in the land of bitterness. You, you've got to move on, Jonah. You need to. And I believe 
that, that if you're holding bitterness in your heart today, he's saying the same thing. Move on. Move on. Don't, don't let the, the, the sickness of, of bitterness live in you for any longer. And, and I understand that, that this is maybe a little simple, right? Because some of you have been hurt in some terrible ways. But, 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 but it starts with a choice. I think forgiveness is a, is, a, is a bit of a process of our hearts being healing, but it starts with a choice of saying, God, I don't want to hold this against them. God, I want to make a choice today to, to move on from this place. Help me to journey to, to, to uh, the land where I'm not holding this against them. And I believe his grace is powerful enough to free you. Amen? So we're actually just going to do this right now. Every eye closed. If you have bitterness in your heart that you're holding willful and you you want freedom this morning i believe again god is saying move on i'm going to help you to move on i'm going to help you to love these people i'm going to help you to let it go it will be a process but it starts today with a choice if that's you just raise your hand say i want to move on from the land of bitterness yeah thank you for your hands thank you for your hands god would you give these people grace holy spirit come upon them right now Right now, God, you, you met Jonah even when his heart wasn't right. You met him and, and you showed him love, but you also said, move on. Holy Spirit, would you help these people to move on? Help these people to bring, come uh, and, and bring a healing in their heart, Lord. Bring a healing in their heart where there was hate. Would you replace it with your love, Lord God? Where there was bitterness, I just, I just pray in Jesus' name that that root w- would just be killed today. And, and, and that plant of bitterness would slowly just wither away in their hearts, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Amen. Yeah, let's give God a hand for that. And those people, thanks for being brave. Th- thanks for making that decision today. That's, that's amazing. But, but as hard as it is to believe, and we have to believe this, is that, that people are not the enemy, Right? People are not the enemy. And that's one of the biggest lies that Satan wants to put inside of our heads is that the battle is against flesh and blood. But Romans 6 says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. Say that to your neighbor. Say it with a bit more soul, with a bit more passion. There you go. Love it. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Your enemy is unseen. Your enemy is unseen. You can't see your enemy. The person that feels like your enemy, they're not your enemy. Maybe the the real enemy has a grip on them, but that's where they need prayer. That's where they need help. That's where these are the people that we need to show love to more than anything, because they've probably never seen love in their life. Because they're, they're just, their hearts are evil and twisted and they're treating people this way. They need the gospel. They need Jesus. They need someone that looks like Jesus in their life, not someone that comes against them. So the, the, the enemy is unseen against the, power, the mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is our enemy. Our enemy is invisible. Your enemy isn't a person, okay? It's really not. I know it might feel like it, but, but, but it really isn't. And, and the reason is, you know, because people are made in the image of God. They're created in the image of God. And so some of us think that we can have a good relationship with God and bad relationship with his children. It, it just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't really work. It's kind of like I would go to your house and we would be having a great time. I'd, I'd, you know, or maybe you'd come to my house and I'd serve you some coffee and we're having a great time. And then I just kick your child. <laughs> 
And then I go to you and say, hey, we're cool, right? We're cool? I kicked your child, but that's between me. And, keep that between me and him. We're cool, right? No, they would, they would leave. They would say, no, unless you make things right. It, this is not going to work. And the Bible says the same thing. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave it there. Leave it there. Don't do the lip service of pretending it's all cool between you and God because it's not. You just kicked his kid. You're holding bitterness against this kid. And this is where we, we need to reconcile with people that, that we have disunity with. And sometimes we can do our best to reconcile and it doesn't work. But, but at least we've forgiven them and we've, at least we've let them go. And hopefully now, again, we're, we're seeing them not as the enemy, but we're praying for them. We're praying for them. We're saying, God, help them, help them. God, check my heart. I'm vulnerable now because I just got hurt. God, you want me to turn this into bitterness? You want to see me as the enemy? No, 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 no. My enemy is unseen. Help them, God. Help me to see. Help me to bring your gospel in this situation. And this is where the enemy is just having a field day because Christians are pecking at Christians. And, um, and, and, we, and we're showing evil to unbelievers and he's just like, great, the gospel's not being preached. In church, they're just bickering all the time. They forget what they're even here for. And, and, and to the people that, that they're supposed to spread the gospel of love to, they're bitter against. Our enemy, we have a common enemy. We have a common enemy. We're on the same team. And we need to unite. And we, and we need to show the love of God. We need to pray for these people. We, we need to pray that God would write our hearts uh, so that we can show them love. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Lastly, just to close out the series here. The enemy wants you to think my agenda is the right one. I, I wrote in the bulletins, it's my way or the highway. He wants us to think that. And I don't know if you've ever been at a, a meeting before where everyone kind of has their own agenda. We actually had a meeting at that at church recently. It was for the volunteer appreciation night. We all were just kind of slinging out our, our ideas and it was just chaos. It was wild. So the night is going to be a disaster. I'm just kidding. It's going to be really good. We actually have a really good plan. But it was just a fun meeting, you know? It's just like no agenda. We're just going to throw out our ideas. And actually, in the end, it, it did be beneficial. That's against my point. But in general, when we all have our own agendas, when we don't uh, unite, when we don't unite, at the end of the day, we're going to go nowhere. And James 3, verse 16 says, where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every kind of evil. Uh, the unity is so fragile because I, I can be bent towards a selfish nature, amen? This is why unity is so hard because there are times where I want to see other people with, I have bad intentions. There are times where I want to judge people. There are times where gossiping feels good. It, feel, it feeds like a little thing inside of you. It's like, oh, this feels right. This feels great. You know, you, you almost delight in holding bitterness and you delight in seeing people as the enemy. And this is where we, we, we need to constantly repent. We need to repent and repent and repent and repent and repent because unity is, is impossible. Where there's a selfish heart in your marriage, in churches, unity doesn't work. Unity only happens when we get together on God's page. And I love Claude's message last week of seeing what's urgent. What are we here for? We're here to make disciples of all nations. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here for these things. Let's, let's unify around this and let's go. We're on the same team, you and I, and if there's misunderstandings, we, we, have to, we have to get clarity. We have to move on from that. We need to forgive each other because we have so much to do. 
And this is where uh, I'll never forget, um, my, my grandma who's passed away, I'll never forget the story. Uh, she, was, she was saying to me, you know what, I, 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 like, I, I don't really like the music that we sing here in church. It, it's okay, but I like my hymns better. But, but I see the next generation worshiping God, and I'm good with it. I, I see that, that they're falling in love with Jesus, and so I'm good. I, I don't want to change a thing. And I think that's so amazing. It's laying down our own agenda. Sometimes laying down our preferences. Sometimes laying down the things that, that we would prefer thing as and, and going and, and reaching for the gospel and making old disciples and keeping what's important important. Amen? Awesome. I just want to close with this passage here in Acts 2.42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Jesus, just do that here. Right? Come on. In Acts 4.32, it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. Come on, they were here for a reason. They had their eyes on God's agenda. This is not about me. We're going to devote ourselves to communion, breaking bread together, to prayer, to the apostles' teaching, because we're here on a mission for a very short time. And then in verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. God, that's what we want to see. God, that's what we want to see. We want to see our marriages unified. God, we want to see this church unified. God, we want to see the churches of Winkler, the churches of your church unified, God. God, we want to see that that people, we all have one thing in common. It's that your name might be known, that you would be glorified, and we would be the salt and the light. We would actually be Christians that look like you, forgiving and loving and, 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 and representing the gospel with the way that we treat your people, Lord. So God, just help us where we're selfish, where we need to repent, where we need to know we're in the wrong, help us realize these things. We repent. We ask for forgiveness, God, where we've been selfish. We ask for forgiveness where we've put our own agenda before yours, Lord. Help us to put your agenda first. Yeah, amen. If we can stand, we're, gonna, we're just going to end this series in, in just a different way today. I'm going to ask you to do something that might scare you. Woo. I, I really felt like it was just going to be really powerful if all of us in unison just started praying together. Can we do that as a church? Can, can we pray for the unity of GMC, the unity of, of God's church here in this place? And I really believe there's going to be power as we open our mouths as we declare this unity. So let's just all start praying out loud for the unity here. God, I thank you for GMC and the plans that you have. God, I just pray that we'd be a unified people. God, that we'd be focused on you. We'd, be, we'd keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, you would use us to reach the nations. You would use us that the Lord would add to our number daily those being saved. We'd be a unified people, unified in heart. Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to keep my heart selfless, God. Because unity starts with me. God, I just pray that you would help me to have the right attitude to help put your agenda first, Lord. God, I thank you for what you want to do through this church. God, I just pray that your kingdom would come. That your kingdom would come 
on earth as it is in heaven, Lord God, on, in Winkler as it is in heaven, Lord God, that we bring your gospel to these people. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more info about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week.